friends, if we have not met yet, my name is Adam, and it's my joy to be one of the pastors here at our church. Uh, in May, my family brought, bought a new vehicle, new to us anyway, and uh, shout out to Pettijohn Auto in Bethany, Missouri. Now, not long after we purchased our Explorer, I started getting these in the mail. You ever get any of these? Motor vehicle service notification. It's got Ford on it a couple times. Very bold letters. Seems very important. And it said that it was my final notice that I have not contacted them to have my vehicle service contract activated and that my coverage, my warranty would soon expire. And I thought, well, that's odd because I thought I activated my warranty coverage when I paid for my warranty. But maybe something got mixed up. I don't know. And it'd be just my luck to, I don't know, have something malfunction in my car and not have my service contract activated. So I called the number and have a conversation, and it was very odd, and the, the guy on the line is, is very uh, pushy. He's very, it's, it's, it's just a very weird uh, feeling I'm getting. So I'm like, mm, let me call you back. And I call the dealership, and they very kindly explained to me that the cards I had been getting and that number was not affiliated with Ford, not affiliated with the dealership, that I had bought a warranty, and it's all with them, and it was all good. And... This was on a Friday at about 1 o'clock, and I thought, well, I'm not doing anything else, so I'm going to call these jokers back. <laughs> I'm going to at least leave a nasty Google review, or write, I'm going to write somebody a very strongly worded email. They messed with the wrong dude today. So I call back, and I get a different guy, still very pushy, and I start asking a couple questions about what company this is, and you know at the end of pharmacy or medicine commercials, the like thousand miles an hour voice at the end. That's how he starts talking to me. Well, we're a subsidiary, blah, 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 blah. I can't even understand him. And I finally interrupt him and just say, look, man, what you all are doing is deceptive. And he says to me, well, sir, before you pick up the phone next time, I invite you to pass the first grade. <laughs> and my hands, my hands are just sweating telling you all about it. <laughs> oh, I was hot. I went nuclear on this dude. And I, I, I can't share with you, the, I said things to another human being that I had not shared, shared in my 38 years on this planet. And I, I do want to say, I am trying to be funny, but in all seriousness, I have le legitimately had to repent of how I interacted with this man. So I'm screaming at him, I'm screaming things like, I don't know how you sleep at night, and he's screaming at me, calling me a moron, and then he just hangs up. Oh, I was mad. I wanted these scammers... I wanted to get some payback on them, man. Oh, I was so, so mad because I wanted to see the scammers get what they had coming to them. Now, I know I'm not the only one who feels this way, right? And there's people online that have made uh, kind of a career out of this type of phenomenon, paying back scammers. Uh, I don't know if you've seen YouTuber Mark Rober. He has 22 million subscribers. Are you familiar with the term porch pirate? You know what that is? That's when people steal like Amazon packages off your porch. Now, God help me if that's the only thing you learned today. <laughs> All right? But he, jeez, what did you talk about today? Porch pirates. It was great. Uh, he's made a, he kind of made, uh, made himself famous with this thing he did where he's an engineer. And so he rigged up, uh, he would put packages on people's porch with their permission and then inside it would look like it was really expensive headphones or like an Apple HomePod speaker or something. But then when you opened up the package, glitter sprays everywhere along with fart spray. 
and it's, it's got a GPS on it, and the whole thing's taped. Uh, now, if you were looking for some fart spray content in your sermon, this is the only place to get it right here. So anyway, this is this dude's whole deal, and these videos had tons of views. This video recently, uh, this next one was a video where, I'm not going to show it to you, but you can look up Mark Rober. Uh, it was cockroaches being released inside scammer call centers in India. It has 53 million views. And why is, why is this? Why do we love these videos? Because we love to see it. Vengeance. That's right. We love it. We love watching folks get what they deserve. Especially folks that send you bogus warranty stuff and people who steal your Amazon packages. Now here's the thing. Those are both pretty low stakes, aren't they? Me getting a faulty warranty scam card or getting a, getting a package stolen off your porch. There's a lot of worse things that have happened to us. And so when those stakes get higher, so does our desire for revenge. I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've been like a pastor pastor for 10. And the one thing I know, one thing I'm certain of that ministry has taught me is that we have no idea what people have gone through. I know about this much at our church because people will peel back the curtain. And so I'm, I'm guessing that we all have had a lot worse done to us than an Amazon package stolen. And so, what do we do when our desire for vengeance meets the stakes of the terrible things that have happened to us? Is the desire for vengeance bad? What do we do with it? How do we move from vengeance to forgiveness? Is that even realistic? These are the questions I want to explore over the next couple weeks. And what I hope we'll discover together as we study God's word today is that vengeance is a human desire, but God's to give. Vengeance is a theme we see in sports all the time. Anybody know what happens on December 4th? You know who the Chiefs play? The Bengals. You ever heard the phrase revenge game? Bengals beating us in the AFC title game in addition to the regular season. I've already ranted once. That's enough. On Halloween, the Bengals lost to the Browns 32-13, and I loved every minute of it. You know, sometimes if a game's not close, you'll kind of change the channel. Oh, no. And, and they only they scored 13 in the fourth quarter. They had nothing most of the game. I was loving it. Revenge game. Music is another uh, platform for vengeance. Adele gets revenge through her songs. Her first album was a worldwide hit. And a lot of the songs were about being brokenhearted. And uh, if you know any Adele songs, you know some of her story. Get this. Her ex-boyfriend actually tried to recoup or get royalty fees because he was the inspiration for doing all those terrible things to her. Now that's a piece of work, isn't it? Oh my gosh. So she gets revenge on this dude through her songs. We see vengeance as a theme in literature and movies. The Count of Monte Cristo, one of my favorites. It's a book and it's a film about Edmund Dantes who's, wrong, who's wrongly imprisoned 
Then he becomes rich and he takes revenge on all his enemies. Great movie. Vengeance is also not just in sports and music and literature and film. It's also a major theme of the Bible. And we may be surprised to think of it this way. Particularly in the book of Psalms, we can read a lot about vengeance. The word Psalms means songs of praise from an old Latin translation. It's the Hebrew hymnal, and it was written across the span of generations. My man, Eugene Peterson, my favorite author, he says we should think of the Psalms as both poetry and prayer. This is what he said. These two features, the poetry and the prayer, account for both the excitement and the difficulty in studying the Psalms. The poetry requires that we deal with our actual humanity. The prayer requires that we deal with God, this God who is determined on nothing less than the total renovation of our lives. And so if if you have any interest in kind of digging into this more a little bit, I'd invite you to take a picture of our next slide here because we've got some Psalms listed that, that deal with corporate vengeance. So like revenge against the enemies of the nation of Israel. Those are Psalms 58, 79, 137, and 149. And then there's other Psalms that deal with revenge against kind of my individual enemies, uh, as the author is writing. Psalms 13, 31, 37, 91, and 94. And we find a great example of a vengeful Psalm in Psalm 69. It's attributed to King David, the one who slayed Goliath. This is verse 19 and then verses 22 through 28 of Psalm 69. You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. May the table set before them, the author's enemies, become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. For they persecute those you wound and talk about the pain of those you hurt. Charge them with crime upon crime. Do not let them share in your salvation. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Anybody got Psalm 69 cross-stitched hanging on the wall? (laughs) I mean, when Jeremy read that, were you guys just like, ooh. I mean, this is not the type of language or sentiment a lot of people would associate with the Bible. For a lot of people... The Bible is this kind of docile, flowery thing. But the Bible is not a nice and neat book, like at all. The book of Psalms is the clubhouse leader in displaying raw human emotion. Peterson also says this, everything that anyone can feel or experience in relation to God is in these prayers. You will find in them the best place in scripture to explore all the parts of your life and then to say who you are and what is in you. Guilt, anger, salvation, praise to the God who loves, judges, and saves you in Jesus Christ. For those times in life that that we feel this desire for vengeance on, on our enemies, the Bible speaks to that because the Bible addresses the entire scope of the human experience. Vengeance is a human response and desire. When we've been wronged, many times that's where we go. We want payback. 
But part of the journey that every Christian makes is moving from being forgiven by God to forgiving others. And it's that journey that we're going to spend this week and the following two weeks on in this series, The Journey of Forgiveness. We're exploring how we can move beyond vengeance into being obedient to Christ's call. Because when Jesus says things like, love your enemies, that's hard. And then how do we not just be obedient to Jesus and kind of do this because we're told we have to, but how do we move from vengeance to obedience to, to transcendence, to rising above the desire for revenge and coming to the place where we can actually love our enemies instead of praying for their demise. These three weeks are modeled after my own experience and stages in forgiveness. Vengeance, obedience, transcendence. Now, it's a strategy of mine to have some type of sermon series about forgiveness every November. Do you know why that is? Because you're all about to spend a bunch of time with your family over the next eight weeks. It's not just random. So you can count on this every year as long as I'm around. Now, we could also do a sermon series. We could spend a lot of time talking about how to ask forgiveness from others that you've wronged, but we'll save that for 2023, I guess. So the first stage is vengeance, but there's another name for it. I had a friend who went through a very difficult divorce. And in the aftermath, they told me that sometimes they had the thought that they wouldn't mind if their former spouse got run over by a red truck. And it sounds kind of crass, but I think it's, it's honest. And so we can refer to this first phase also as the red truck phase, where you're just mad and you want to see that person suffer, even die. When someone has hurt you deeply, you probably have several excellent reasons to desire vengeance. I wanted someone to tell you that it's okay to feel that way. The author of the book of Psalms certainly did. I think sometimes we feel guilty for how we feel. But at least in my experience, I can't really control how I feel emotionally. We seldom can. So I want you to be, to be released from any guilt associated with your feelings of desiring vengeance. Because we can't control how we feel, but here's the turn, you know it's coming. We can certainly control how we respond to those feelings of vengeance. And the way I see it, we have three possible responses. I'm going to paraphrase biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann who said the question isn't should we feel that way? The question is, what are we going to do with it? I think you got three options when it comes to the, the, the desire for vengeance. One, you can do it. You can carry out your vengeance. This can be done in small or large ways. Uh, maybe it's passive aggressive. Maybe it's shunning someone. Maybe it's not talking to them. Um, Maybe if you have a favorite niece or nephew, you, you laud them with gifts and, and maybe kind of shortchange another one. There's, you know, I wish I couldn't name you such a long list, but I got a menu, you know. I <laughs> think we all do. Uh, but then that can escalate. So that can go from small ways to larger ways, including physical harm, 
uh, or even worse. And our country is in a crisis of violence because people are acting out their desire for vengeance with weapons. I don't think you need me to explain that to you. Uh, The consequences of this are readily apparent all around us. So the first response to the desire for vengeance is to do it. Second, we can deny it. We can refuse to admit that we feel this way, even just a little bit. But if we let that desire go underground, where else will it surface that we don't expect or intend? Do we end up kind of taking that out on other people close to us that have nothing to do with it? So we can do it or we can deny it. Say, well, that's not me. Our third option is to defer to God. And I think this is what we're reading in Psalms like Psalm 69. Releasing the thirst for vengeance and giving it to God. Vengeance is a human desire, but it's God's to decide. So we can do it, we can deny it, or we can defer to God. I can't really recommend the first two. So let's turn our attention to this third alternative. How do we defer our desire for vengeance to God? The scripture instructs us further. Many years after the Psalms were written, we have the New Testament. That's the second half of our Bible. And in the book of Romans, chapter 12, we read the following. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it is up to you, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So the Psalms was, were a poetic prayer addressed to God. The book of Romans is an instructive, an instructive letter written to Christians living under Roman persecution. You want to talk about high stakes. When it says don't repay evil for evil, these are people being hunted down for worshiping Jesus instead of Caesar. So these are high stakes. Do not repay anyone for evil. Evil for evil. Friends, payback doesn't pay. I find that very annoying. Part of of today's message is just being honest that sometimes we'd prefer that it did. When we read things like Romans 12, it's like, ah. Payback doesn't pay. All the energy that you spend fantasizing about how someone who hurt you suffering in return, all the time wondering what it would be like if they got run over by a red truck, where has it gotten you? Maybe you actually did act it out in some small or major way. Did that change anything? Is anything really different? In the classic film, The Princess Bride, Inigo Montoya is a character obsessed with getting revenge on the man who killed his father. Anybody know his speech? Hello. Shout it out. Come on, Lori. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's right. Towards the end of the tale, he says this. You know, it's very strange I've been in the revenge business so long that now that it's over, 
I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. Christians shouldn't be in, can't be in the revenge business. And besides, payback doesn't pay. That's a human desire, vengeance, but it's God's to give. It's up to God to decide. Verse 19 says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. And all, just about every time you see the phrase, for it is written, that's a New Testament quote or referral or footnote to the Old Testament, like a quotation. In this case, Deuteronomy 32, 35. It is mine to avenge, says the Lord, I will repay. When children bicker and fight, some of us know about that more recently than others. Think back to if you had kids or if you've ever taught Sunday, whatever. If you're around two kids and they're fighting, what parent or responsible adult would let one child decide what the other one's punishment should be? But that's exactly what we try to do to God as our heavenly father and us as God's children. Don't make yourself an agent of God's wrath. Leave that up to God. Vengeance is a human desire, but it's God's to decide. Now, friends, I'm not suggesting that actions don't have consequences, but payback doesn't pay. It doesn't solve anything, and dwelling on it doesn't either. And that's what we're going to get into more next week when we look at the next step of the journey of forgiveness, obedience to Christ's commands, moving beyond vengeance into the second phase of obedience with what God's word tells us. But what does it look like to defer to God? When we're wronged, if we have a desire for vengeance, we can do it. Mm. We can deny it. Mm. Don't do those. What does it really look like to defer to God? There, there's, there's a phrase that I find kind of trite. It may, be, it may be helpful to others, and I think that's great. But have you ever heard the phrase, let go and let God? I've always been like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and there's others of it who are better than I. Uh, but, but I, but I think what that's getting to is, is how do we take all these things and release them? My friend Mitch had a great phrase for it the other day. He called it metabolizing. How do we get it out of our system and give it over to God? I think one way to let go and let God is to actually get down and deal with reality. Here's what I mean. What is really at the root of our desire for vengeance? If you read um, articles by psychologists, and, and there's, a, there's a notion that's, that's pretty well known in counseling situations, that anger is often a secondary emotion, meaning you're mad because of this other thing. This other thing happened, primary, now you're angry about it, secondary. And so one of the things that I think is helpful in this process of dealing with our own desire for vengeance is to actually get to the bottom of it. So when I was angry at those phone scammer car warranty people, why was that? Well, I wasn't just angry on, on, on my own accord. I was angry because I felt dumb. Because I was like, I wasn't getting on my credit card yet, but I, I was like on the way to falling for it. So I, I was angry because I felt foolish. And then, here's what really made me angry. I started thinking about, like, my grandma. 
who's, who was so kind and trusting and just wanted to follow the rules and do everything right. And then I thought, these jokers preyed on people like my grandma. And I got mad about that. And I was mad because I felt dumb. And so in that case, my anger was really about my own embarrassment and my motivation to protect others, even if they didn't ask for it. And, and, and so I think it can be helpful to name what is actually going on, to deal with reality. Because here's the deal. We can't hide the truth from God anyway. So beyond let go and let God, I need a little more practicality. Now maybe that's just me. But just to give you something to think about, something to chew on, something to be able to name why it is you want vengeance, maybe try this, make this a prayer. God, I'm angry because fill in the blank. And that even in just admitting to yourself, naming to yourself, discovering for yourself what's at the bottom of your desire for vengeance, you can begin to uproot it and to name it before God. And then you can add all sorts of addendums to this. God, I'm angry because, and God, here's what I'd like you to do about it. Fill in the blank. You can make this a lengthy prayer if you want. But in that way, like the psalmist, the author of the psalm, you're releasing that from within your spirit and it's an attempt to get it out and release it to God, to hand it over and place it in God's hands. God, I'm angry because you just fill in the rest. I wanted someone to tell you that we each probably have several excellent reasons to desire vengeance. But the annoying part is God says not to repay anyone evil for evil. Can't do it. All this does is perpetuate more evil. So instead of letting our desire for, for vengeance determine what we do, or rather than deny we experience it at all, May we defer to God. The good news is that God is big enough to hear us cry out for vengeance and to receive our bewilderment of why the wicked go unpunished. God's big enough to handle all that. It's understandable, friends, to be in the red truck phase. Next week, we're going to talk about why that's not okay to stay there and how to move past it. May God enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to each be moving from forgiven to forgiving. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for this sanctuary, for this place where we can come and hear your word together to be reminded that we're not the only ones who have suffered and we're not the only ones who aren't always sure what to do with it. God, we thank you for your scripture which speaks into what's true. That within us can, can be a capacity to desire vengeance. God, it's anger, it's... it's, it's uh, it's, it's responding like this in many ways that helps us achieve justice or 
helps us right wrongs. It helps us from remaining complacent. But God, when that takes another shape, when we just desire to repay evil for evil, we need your spirit to intercede for us. We need your help. So often our instincts are pointed toward revenge and your word points us the other way. So we need you to help fill in that gap, God. Help us do the inner work to understand why it is that we carry anger with us. And in this moment, and in moments to come, we release it to you. God, thank you for a community where we can deal with reality together. And thank you for the amazing, unintuitive example of your son, Jesus, who did the opposite of so much of our desires, who forgives us even when we don't deserve it, who doesn't just offer us mercy of not getting what we deserve, but grace, giving us all the good things that you desire for us. God, help us desire after those things as well. God, help us not to repay evil for evil. It's only through your spirit that we could even think about making a next step on this journey. God, we love you and we trust you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.